Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 996 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, August the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to be checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. The last two weeks have been insane for transactions across the big sports Baseball, basketball, hockey, and your local team is covered with a local expert breaking it all down to uh, let you know what you need to know about the moves that your teams might have made. So please go and find the shows covering the teams that you like, whether it's the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs, some other team in either baseball, basketball, or hockey. You have the uh, option of listening to a local daily podcast on that very team during the craziest time of the sports calendar, at least transactionally speaking. Uh, So please go and check them out. Uh, All right. On today's show, a bit of a somber day. The Kyle Lowry era in Toronto is over. The greatest Raptor of all time is headed to Miami in a assumed sign and trade with the heat that we'll see. Reportedly, Goran Dragic impressed Chua along with some other stuff, maybe or maybe not coming back to the Raptors. Uh, there's a bit of a hang up in completing that, it seems. And it seems like maybe Dragic is looking to be shipped elsewhere. We will see there. It's tough to say. We may we might get the details as we record this podcast. We don't know. But either way, Kyle Lowry is no longer a Toronto Raptor. It's very sad. We are going to break down the move kind of from a, an on-court perspective today. Uh, we'll obviously get into some feelings and mushy stuff, I'm sure. But I think next week on the podcast, we're just going to devote the entire thing to Kyle Lowry for the most part and just kind of reflect on his time with the Raptors. So there will be plenty of proper eulogizing to come, but we've also got other news to talk about today as Gary Trent Jr. has signed with the Raptors or agreed to sign with the Raptors. Likely that'll be finished as like the last move of the offseason just for cap ordering purposes uh, to a three-year $54 million deal with a player option in the final year. Bit of a sort of polarizing reaction to that one. We will get to that. And then some news came down just before we started recording. Raptors have signed Sam Decker, who is uh, coming back from Europe after spending a couple seasons over there. Had four NBA seasons before that. I got some thoughts on that one. Um, And maybe we shouldn't have thoughts on it. Maybe it's too small a thing to actually care about. But we will get to that in just one second as well. Uh, but we got to get to the Kyle stuff off the top and joining me to talk about Kyle Lowry. I can't really think of anyone else who would like to go through this misery and pain with then, of course, uh, one of our faves here. It's big V it's big CBC. It's big lavender. It is of course, Toronto Raptors staff writer, Vivek Jacob, Vivek, congrats on the new job, buddy. And welcome to the show. How's it going? Well, thank you. Thank you for that awesome introduction. And yeah, it's both surreal and very exciting and i can't wait to cover this team for the team <laughs> and see how it goes yeah no i mean we talk about access and opportunities and that type of thing and i think that's probably the thing i'm looking forward to most having you know maybe a different level of access than i've had before and making the most of it 
Yeah. Yeah. It's um, very, very happy to see you get that shot, man. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I can't wait to read your stuff and very happy. You're going to be around the beat in a very, very, very serious and wonderful way. Um, of course, you will not be covering Kyle Lowry until I guess he returns to Toronto. And I'm sure you'll get lined up as the Raptor staff writer to maybe do a little feature on him. That's my hope. At least go pitch it, baby. Um, mm. But you'll be covering a Lowry list Raptors team from day to day in Toronto, hopefully. And obviously, it's a bummer. I think everybody kind of knew this was coming. The reports were out on Sunday night, and it seemed like it was preordained. And honestly, over the last month or so, my belief that he was going to stay went from like 50-50 to about 10-90, just because the the reports seemed like there were a lot of teams lining up for his services. And as John Hollinger points out, actions speak louder than words. And a lot of teams were acting as though there was going to be a very good point guard to potentially absorb into their cap space uh, when free agency started. And as it turns out, the Miami Heat have done so with Kyle Lowry. The Heat also re-upped Jimmy Butler to an enormous contract. They brought in P.J. Tucker just going all in on old dudes, which is actually kind of awesome. Um, Of course, they got Bam and Duncan Robinson and stuff, too. But it's a fun little core they got cooking down there. As uh, I think Mike Prada pointed out, there'll be a wonderful second round out to the Milwaukee Bucks this coming season. but I am looking forward to watching that team as much as I will hate watching that team as well because it's got Kyle Lowry not playing for the Raptors and it's going to be very sad. But Vivek, let's get into the sort of impact of this move. Um, we're still waiting to see, of course, the details on the Precious Achua slash Goran Dragic slash maybe a second round pick slash maybe KZ Akpala, perhaps, or someone like that thrown into the mix to make salaries match, depending on how liberally... Uh, Bulge was using the word approximately 90 million. You know, if it's 87.5, as our cap expert over at Raptors HQ, Daniel Hackett has pointed out, then that is not going to require another body coming the other way. But if it's actually $90 million, there will be another uh, contract that will have to be thrown in towards the Raptors and Akpala kind of fits the mold. Either way, what was your sort of reaction to this? Obviously, there's lots of sort of hand-wringing because the Raptors perhaps could have gotten a higher price, a bigger return for Kyle Lowry at the deadline and chose to hold on to him and play chicken basically with all the teams that refused to pony up their very best offers. And it left them, you know, with lots of options coming to this offseason between having potential cap space, if you were to walk, sign and trade options, all that stuff. And it seems like maybe the response here or not, not the response, but maybe the um, return here is not what it could have been if they were to have just given up at the deadline and said, hey, here's Kyle Lowry and, you know, we'll take whatever you give us Sixers or Lakers or whatever. Um, what's your over, overall sort of feeling on the move here with Kyle? Obviously, there's a lot of emotional sort of bandwidth being consumed, just thinking about Kyle Lowry and his time with the Raptors. And again, we'll have plenty of time for that over the next couple of weeks on the podcast here, but just in general, sort of instant reactions to the Lowry move and what it means for the Raptors going forward here. Yeah. So instant reaction was not surprised that it was a Miami heat. I think we saw the rumors coming from Woj and whatnot, that that was looking increasingly the possibility. Obviously we saw some stuff about the Pelicans and Mavs, but I think that was the one that Lowry seemed to want want the most. And so I'm happy for him that he got what he wanted. Emotional stuff. uh, I think I kind of went through that at at the trade deadline, expecting him to be gone. Sure. Um, And so that part of it was kind of out the way already for me. And in terms of the return, I'm looking at it and almost still waiting for the entire shoe to drop. Uh, because back when Kyle Lowry wasn't traded at the trade deadline, you, you were saying, okay, 
you have to see now what happens over the course of this free agency. And so does Dragic end up staying on the team? Do they find another team and are able to pursue a couple of free agents? Uh, You know, we'll see what happens with John Collins. Mm -hmm. Uh, And beyond that, you know, maybe you're looking at bringing back uh, Kem Birch and trying to sign a Malik Monk, something like that. So I'm still waiting for all of it to play out before completely judging it. At the moment, as it stands, it does not look good. And you mentioned Sam Decker. It's extremely, you know, <laughs> the Raptors have lost Kawhi Leonard and signed Stanley Johnson vibes. <laughs> so not feeling great about it at this point, but I will wait for the entire scenario to play out before I completely judge it. Yeah, I mean, we're still less than 24 hours into free agency. And yes, a lot of stuff has happened, but there's plenty of stuff still to potentially happen. Trades are also a thing here as well. Look, I... I get the sort of asset brain sort of way to approach the Kyle thing and thinking, well, they didn't maximize what they could have gotten from Kyle. And so it's a failure. And I get that to a certain extent, but also I just don't care about sort of milking every last possible asset when it comes to a guy like Lowry, who's a franchise legend. It's a different situation. It's an entirely different situation. And Look, it may turn out that the flexibility they kind of kept themselves, keeping him into the offseason, having his bird rights on hand with the potential to bring him back, the potential to work him in a sign and trade, the potential to open up a ton of cap space if he walked into someone else's cap space. All of that stuff, you know, I I think was worth, honestly, keeping around. And maybe it doesn't work out, but I don't think the process behind it was all that bad if they thought that they could parlay whatever flexibility they were going to have into something better than whatever the offers were at the deadline. And look, I don't think it's ever actually been fully reported what the actual offers were at the deadline. There was like the wish casting of offers like, oh, you get the two firsts and Maxi and Thibel from the Sixers. But like that was clearly never on the table because they would have taken that in a heartbeat. And it sounds as though both sides in all these negotiations were playing hardball when it came to the heat. Yeah, I mean, you could have potentially had Duncan Robinson come back the other way. That didn't sound terribly likely. Like, obviously, they were holding back Tyler Hero. I don't think anybody really wanted Tyler Hero anyway, especially considering how low his stock was in his second season. You know, I think there were reasons to not want to jump the gun and say, okay, well, now we're just going to sign ourselves up, pay this guy in restricted free agency, and that's going to be our offseason. You know, the same kind of applies to Taylor Horton Tucker, too. If the Lakers were to end up ponying up the ponying up the assets to do it and the Lakers offer was never very good. It required like a 2027 first round pick being the only pick that would come back. And it was just I don't know. I, I totally understood the Raptors wanting to hold and 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 see and, and wait and see what the summer could bring. I also think there was tangible value to having Lowry around in that back part of the season as a young team was grow, going through hell recovering from COVID, going through a horrible spell, the first losing stretch the team has ever had, you know, at least in this And he generation. was on the golf course? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was on the golf course. He was, you know, doing that and then, you know, coming to the games at night and actually, I think, tangibly offering value in the sort of wisdom and the passing along of knowledge to Fred and, and like Malachi Flynn and stuff like that. I think that actually matters. And I, I also think... Like the game he played against the Lakers is almost worth it on its own. Just to see that you watch these seasons for games that you remember. And guess what? That Lakers game from Kyle Lowry is one you're going to remember forever. It's the last game he played 
for the team. And yes, there was like a pretty good sort of farewell and swan song before he ended up leaving in that Nuggets game right before the deadline. And it felt like a pretty good time to pull off the Band-Aid there and let it all end. But also, I think there was tangible value in keeping him around with that young team that was going through some shit to close the year. And I'm not upset that they did it. Are they going to turn it into some haul in the offseason? It doesn't look like it at the moment. Precious Achua, I think, is a quite nice player. I think people are a little bit down on him. He was you know, not terribly high usage or anything like that for the Heat last year, but he's a very good defender. He was a lot better than was expected in his first season, and he, he was kind of always viewed as this sort of project guy. And I think the Raptors have shown a pretty good propensity for taking project guys who maybe can't shoot or have some deficiency in their their game and turning them into rotation players or good players. And I think Achua as like a backup center option, maybe he starts sometimes, maybe he plays the four sometimes. I think it's totally fine to have on hand. And then Dragic, yeah. If you are able to flip him into something else and create cap space and throw an offer at John Collins or something, awesome. If you keep Dragic, which I think might be what happens here if they can't find a taker, I also don't think that's a bad thing because Dragic is a good basketball player. He can come in. He would be like either the first or second best half court offensive creator on the team. Probably, uh, you know, could offer a little bit of juice off the bench, whether maybe he starts, I don't know, like next to Fred Van Vliet in a dual backcourt, you know, dual point guard backcourt. Like, I think there's a reason to keep Dragic around. He can help them be good. And they'll, you know, there's this whole sort of refrain going around Raptors internet right now that there's no plan, that there's no direction. I think we kind of know the direction. It's just not a very sexy direction that doesn't have instant gratification. And it is, I will repeat my same refrain that I've done in this podcast a million times. They are trying to stay good, stay relevant, be in the playoff mix and wait for a chance to strike and use their many, you know, their ample collection of movable contracts and all of their future picks to land a star when the time is right. The time might not be right right now. And so it's a matter of running it back and being pretty good. And I think Goran Dragic can help you do that. And worst case, he becomes a pretty hot commodity as an expiring contract at the trade deadline. And maybe you can you know extract your asset then. Again, not instant gratification. It's down the line, but there's still an asset potentially there in Dragic to be had, especially if he has a good season. And look, if he sticks with the Raptors, I might throw some money down on him winning six man of the year. Just saying, <laughs> I don't think it's a terrible plan here for the Raptors to go forward. If they just keep them around and have a good team with lots of good, solid players, even if it's unsexy. So I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, all the center stuff has been thrown around as well. And, and the Rashawn Holmes seemingly was the straw that broke the camel's back last night, signing back with the Kings on a pretty reasonable contract. You know, obviously, you know, if the Raptors maybe had their cap space available to them or whatever, maybe they would have been in that mix. Or maybe Rashawn Holmes just wanted to go back to the Kings. Also, I think Rashawn Holmes being the guy you lose sleep over is kind of ridiculous. I think he's a nice player. I don't think the history of giving nice players, you know, long-term contracts and free agency is all that friendly to teams. And so it would have been nice to have Rashawn Holmes. I don't think it's the end of the world to not have Rashawn Holmes. Also, just let it all play out, I guess, because again, it's less than 24 hours old. That was a lot of rambling, but like, is there anything in there, Vivek, that you kind of see? Am I like doing the it's fine thing too much here? I I just feel like it comes down to your expectations. And if your expectations are that the Raptors are going to be a championship contender next season, then yeah, you're probably disappointed here. But I don't think reasonable people should ever have thought that they were going to be a championship contender next season. So putting together a good team with lots of decent to good players is not a bad thing by any means, especially considering you have maneuverability. You have guys you can throw into con- into deals and attractive contracts that can match salaries and things like that. 
I think there's a lot of ways to pivot from where they are right now. And even if they didn't extract the full price for Lowry, I think it's okay. And then I guess the other note on the Lowry thing too is, and I think I made this point, but he's a legend. He's like, he's a different conversation. And if you don't extract every possible asset from him, I don't care. Like I really don't. I think you do right by him. You, you, you obviously they wanted to try to do right by him at the deadline while also getting good value back. They couldn't find what they perceived to be good value. Maybe they lost a little bit there, but I don't really begrudge them at all. And I don't, I'm not really going to sweat the one or two extra assets they could have milked out of the Lowry thing, because guess what? They got everything out of Lowry for nine years. And I'm not too worried about the return there, honestly. And, and maybe that makes me a bad armchair GM, but it's just the way I kind of view it with a franchise legend who is not some dude that you're just trying to parlay into more contracts that are more favorable for your team. That was a lot of me talking. Anything in there makes sense or am I an idiot, Vivek? <laughs> no, you're not. an. Uh, I think it's perfectly fair to have that view. <clears throat> for me, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit more on the other side where I think, you, you know, you mentioned this being a championship organization uh, and, you know, maybe here this is where Masai and Bobby are a little bit uh, a victim of their own success. And we've seen them hit home run after home run after home run. And now over the last season and a half, two seasons, things haven't quite gone the way they would have liked, I don't think. Um, I think if we're, if it were up to Masai, he, he would have got the deal that he wanted uh, at the trade deadline. And gone ahead and done that like I, I specifically remember Masai saying at the deadline too that you know when it comes to Kyle Lowry I am biased and kind of so what and I think you know would he look back on that moment now and say okay maybe, maybe I should have viewed things a bit differently it's possible and I think we have to keep that in mind as well mm-hmm. uh, so I think right now you, you know they've they've got to <laughs> at least hit some singles and doubles to bring it back here. Um, sure. And, and I think that's really important over the next you know week or so, uh, how, however long it takes to play out. And from again, from that position on, we, we can evaluate it. Right now, as it stands, it's not a good place to be. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, I think, sort of represented saying, okay, you, you didn't make the deal at the deadline having the cap space and making a move for someone like a Rashawn Holmes is better than the deals that were available at the deadline. I think that is more for, uh, the way I come at it anyway. And so that hasn't happened. And now, you know, is it, is it likely that, that they're going to be able to get a John Collins? I don't think so uh, based mm-hmm. on the way things are playing out. And so the other part of it is expectations, as you mentioned, and that's where, you know, to, to quote the Joker, nobody panics. And there's a plan. Nobody panics, even if it's a bad plan. If they know what to expect, then nobody panics. But when you've got a situation where the Raptors were definitely looking to compete last season and then, you know, kind of pulled the plug uh, that last month and a half, whatever it was, and said, okay, we're going to go into tank mode here. Then you're still trying to compete and you're still trying to do this. And so I think knowing exactly what the direction of the franchise is, is paramount. And it's kind of lacking that a little bit at, at this point in time. 
And that's fair. I, I would also counter with the direction of the franchise seemed pretty promising before the three best players in the team came down with COVID and missed a month and they went one and 13 in March and derailed a team that was, I think, very clearly on the path to making upgrades at the deadline to maximize the final year of Lowry, the potential final year with Lowry. They had figured something out with the small ball and everyone wants to you know, say, oh, they need a center, they need a center. The small ball literally worked. It was what got the Raptors into the best position they were in the entire season. And I, I just, you know, if not for that March where the virus took over the team and the fallout from it, I think we're talking about the direction of the team a whole lot differently. And, you know, it seemed like we kind of agreed during the season to throw out the Tampa of it all and say, oh, okay, wash your hands of this experience. You know, things will be better next year. And that seems to have already been forgotten here. Um, but, you know, there's lots to continue to dive into here. Gary Trent Jr. we'll get to next. Uh, that was a long first segment. And again, there'll be plenty of Kyle Lowry talk in the coming days, weeks, months, surely. Uh, but yeah, let's get to that in one second. Before we do get to Gary Trent Jr., I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com. Uh, they're amazing. If you're going to the mechanic, you need to fix a part in your car, whatever it is. The mechanic is going to try to full, charge you full freight. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 bucks on average from a chain store and just 216 bucks from rockauto.com. That's my math suggests almost 140 bucks of savings. You should absolutely be going to rockauto.com. You need to fix something on your car. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they've got everything you need from the important stuff like brake parts to the aesthetic stuff like new carpets. Of course, go explore their easy-to-use website today. It's super easy, so easy that I can use it just very, very easily without getting confused. That is an accomplishment with me and cars. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? Did they know that we sent you as well? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Big V. Gary Trent Jr., he signed a contract, or will be signing a contract, it seems, agreed to a deal with the Raptors. Three years, $54 million, so 18 per year, a player option on the final season as well. Bit of a bet on yourself, I guess, and also a bit of an out clause for the Raptors, I suppose. It kind of keeps them sort of lined up with the way the rest of their core is locked in too. There's, you know, a couple of years from now, three years from now, there's going to be a lot of money coming off the books, creating new flexibility, which everybody loves to look forward to. But Gary Trent Jr. is sticking around in Toronto, as it seems. Uh, of course, you know, there's still some things to be done. It'll be sort of ordered last uh, from everything that kind of seems. There may be a renouncing of his qualifying offer just in order to, uh, you know, lower his cap hold for a sec and then bring him back with the agreement that he's already going to make this money. And maybe the increased dollar figure from what we might have expected is what's going to facilitate that. Well, we'll see. But Gary Trent Jr., three years, 54, 18 a year, the player option of the final year, Vivek. Again, this kind of was met with a bit of a polarized reaction. Some people saying that's a wild overpay. John Hollinger has a list of, you know, sort of projected annual average value versus what they got. And Gary Trent Jr. currently ranks as the most overpaid on this list. I would say stop counting sports money. It's all fake uh, and stop siding with billionaires over millionaires. But you know, I think there's a reason to sort of think, hey, that maybe is a bit of an overpay for Gary Trent Jr. I also think there's a reason to think it doesn't matter all that much. What's your sort of view on the Gary Trent Jr. re-signing in Toronto at the figure that is, I think, a little bit higher than we might have expected? Yeah, I think if you just looked at it in terms of what the pay is per year, you're going to look at it as an overpay. But I think for me, part of the overpay is getting the shorter term and 
if someone would have told me on a four-year contract he'd have he'd be getting you know 60 65 i would i wouldn't be surprised so now when you get the shorter term which by the way that third year is a player option um i think it's a solid deal for the raptors i think when you look at the asset management that they had over the years like i could very much see this playing out like a terrence ross situation where they re-sign the guy but you know deep down it's it sort of saying hey let's see what he can give us and if there is a deal to be made we'll make it but you know this way you're making sure you don't really lose someone uh for nothing essentially mm-hmm. uh, and again as you mentioned the key there with the cap hold is significant when you compare it to norman powell and so if that gives them the flexibility again that comes down to what happens with dragic if that gives them the flexibility to go out and get some business done in free agency, then it's all worth it. Yeah, totally. And also, I mean, yes, again, it seems like an overpay right now, but also Gary Trent Jr. is 22 years old. He's already one of the most uh, accurate high volume three point shooters in basketball. And yes, there are some flaws there, but also he wasn't really in a wonderful environment environment conducive to like a good team basketball last season where he was kind of thrown in with nobody around and was like, I guess you're the number one option right now, Gary go nuts. And look, he went nuts. He currently owns, I think like the eighth highest scoring individual game in Raptors history, despite playing like 18 games for the team. He hit that game winner against Washington. The first week or two of the Gary Trent jr. Experience before he got a bit of an injury was fantastic and very exciting. And yeah, it didn't look so hot down the rest of the season, but nothing looked so hot down the stretch for the Raptors last season. And I think it's probably, you know, the way in sort of baseball where you think, don't believe anything that happens in in September. I would say, don't believe anything that happens in garbage time of a lost season either. Like there's lots to like about Gary Trent. We saw, we've seen around the league shooters get paid. Like Duncan Robinson just got five years, 90 million, the same annual term, but for five years, the Raptors maybe only have Trent on the, on the books for two years. And there's a good chance considering the way he shoots, considering his sort of, burgeoning shot creation that he definitely lives up to that billing and the other thing too is it keeps the raptors insanely flexible and able to sort of pivot into trades at any time gary trent jr at 22 years old on an 18 million dollar contract certainly movable and if there comes along a a chance to strike he's someone that you can throw into a, a, a deal to try to match and again i just kind of think this speaks to what the vision for the team is that I can see from the outside is, yeah, it's not instant gratification. It's patience. It's waiting and just trying to be good in the meantime. And I don't, I don't know. There's something that happened between like 2017, 18 through 2020. I guess it's winning the title is what happened and changed people's perspectives. But the way they ended up getting to the point where they could trade for Kawhi Leonard was be pretty good, have a shadow core use that sort of pretty goodness and shadow core to trade for a superstar and you're in business. And look, it's not going to happen the exact same way it did. The Kawhi situation was very clearly like a once in a generation type of bizarro situation with the superstar where you could get him for DeMar DeRozan, Yaka Pirtle and a 28th overall pick. But I still think the vision is you keep that flexibility. You keep that maneuverability. You keep the ability to put anybody you want from your roster into a trade potentially and I think this deal helps with that with Gary Trent. Yeah, it, it's a bit of an overpay on an annual basis right now. In two years' time, I'm not sure we'll think that. And maybe he even opts out in two years' time. We'll see. I think that's certainly on the table, considering what he does well. 
I just, I don't know, man. I I have a hard time getting upset about it. It also doesn't really affect the Raptors all that much. As Daniel Hackett pointed out in his piece, kind of writing up the deal, like the 4 million difference between the 14 million that we kind of thought he might get and the 18 million is not really tangibly all that different for the Raptors. They're still going to be likely an above cap team. They're not going to be into the the tax. It's going to kind of not really matter. So I don't know, man. My opinion on the Gary Trent thing is glad he got paid. That's cool. Good for Gary Trent Jr. And I look forward to watching him hit 40% of his threes next season, perhaps starting next to Fred Van Vliet in the backcourt, which will have his ups and downs, I'm sure. But also that team could use a little bit of offensive juice. And he certainly provides that if maybe he's got a little bit of tunnel vision once in a while or all the time. Uh, (laughs) It's, you know, he's a fun dude. I don't know. I'm happy to have Gary Trent Jr. coming back and I don't really care about the money. Stop counting sports money is again, my refrain. I'll come back to, um, we'll get to more Vivek, unless you have any sort of parting shots on Gary Trent Jr. Are are you good on Gary Trent Jr. Talk or do you have anything more? I know. I I think that just the point you made about, you know, people maybe getting a bit sour uh, on him is a little, little bit perplexing and i feel like you know he's got to play this full season here in toronto and i think you know things will normalize a little bit as it will for the entire group and i think Mm -hmm. that's something that shouldn't be forgotten like you know as it stands barring any moves I, i would still expect this team right now to be a playoff team yeah they're going to be a team with lots of good players. And yes, there are some rumors that apparently the bulls are maybe trying to sign Ken Birch and that would be disappointing <laughs> because I don't know if the Raptors fans could take losing Ken Birch at this point. seems like it might uh, sort of cause it all to melt down and, and break Raptors internet. But um, you know, well, again, there's plenty of time here to see what's going to play out. It's not all over. There's plenty of things that can still be done trades things like that you know maybe this is all just sort of building up to like a miles turner trade or something like that like that is very much on the table still i would think um you know it's a bizarre off season where lots of teams have lots of moving parts there's lots of dominoes to fall there's lots of contract minutiae to figure out if it's not all sorted out in the first 24 hours there is nothing wrong with that and the fact that they got the trent thing taken care of early assures that they're not going to lose him for nothing and ensures that they're going to have Lots of good players on the roster going into next season and having lots of good players is good. The bones of a team minus Kyle Lowry, obviously, which is of course a huge bone. Uh, it's kind of, you know, whatever bone you want to say it is the femur, the spine, whatever it is, it's a big bone to lose, but the skeleton of a good team is still very much there. And also internal growth is going to be on tap for guys like Trent and Flynn and OG, perhaps even Siakam and Fred, you know, maybe they have an extra level they can kick it to. Like this is not as doom and gloom as Raptors internet would want to make you think it is, Uh, you know, just think back to when the Raptors missed out on their offer sheet for Chris Duhon and how apoplectic people were after that. You know, it's, it's probably going to be okay. That said, the Raptors did make a signing this morning that has some people upset. And I think for good reason, because the dude, this signed, maybe not the vibes you want coming into a team, We'll get to Sam Decker, the newest Toronto Raptor, as of recording this podcast in just a second here. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. 
the Blue Jays are having a nice little run here. They got Jose Barrios at the deadline. They're looking good. They swept the weekend series. They're looking fantastic. If you want to bet on the Blue Jays making the playoffs, you can right now over at Bet Online. Just go to Bet Online, your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, your online sports book experts all right vivek let's uh get to sam decker um <laughs> reports from shams this morning that sam decker is returning from a two-year stint over in europe he played for turkey last year or played in turkey last year not for turkey in turkey last year in the top flight league there um and he's coming back to the raptors here terms not yet figured out as our pal blake murphy points out this move probably is not tied at all in any way to like the Lowry Drogic dominoes set, it's kind of its own little thing on the side. That said, the timing of it with everyone kind of on edge and waiting for all the other dominoes to fall seems to have alarmed some folks. And look, I don't think this is a move that is going to get anybody excited. Sam Decker washed out of the league in four years and also was referred to once by J.R. Smith as like the worst teammate he's ever had, who's always, quote, talking that Trump shit, which... Not awesome uh, in terms of vibes, in terms of the culture the team seems to have liked to, you know, kind of maintain. I, I don't even know if there's like an on-court angle to really talk about here. He's like a depth piece, probably. Like maybe he plays as like the 11th or 12th man. I don't know. Um, but your thoughts initially on the Sam Decker signing as he comes back over after admittedly having a very good season in Turkey, averaging about 15 points a game, shooting 45% from three in Turkey. Uh, thoughts on Sam Decker, Vivek? Uh, the vibes are not good. <laughs> I, no, I, they're I not think, uh, at all. <laughs> I would prefer just to not have the signing. And, and that's kind of how I feel about it. And yeah, I think it just, just adds to the concern we feel over this off season. And like you said, in terms of on court production value, I'm not expecting anything. He is going to be a depth piece signing. He is, going to have a low contract value. So I don't think he really figures into the plans as much. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's really not much to say here. And yeah. We would have preferred, uh, you know, someone with just a better background. Yeah. I, I mean, this is on the heels of course of the ugly Terrence Davis stuff last year. And, you know, we made our thoughts pretty clear on him being on the team until he was no longer on the team. You know, obviously Sam Decker not as you know openly damaging as what Terrence Davis was accused of doing, but obviously not the vibes you want if that stuff is out there about Sam Decker and you know the way he thinks and the way he acts in a locker room and all that shit. Like it's not ideal, clearly. And again, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's I get why this one might be cause for alarm, even though the on-court impact will be negligible. It doesn't really affect seemingly the rest of their off-season plans. If you're looking for reasons to maybe call into question the front office and what they're doing, which I think is being done a little bit too much from a group of people who are typically like praise Messiah and Bobby, they can do no wrong until they don't sign Rashawn Holmes. Apparently, I think this one you can certainly call into question because of just the character fit and all of that stuff. And hey, maybe Sam Decker has had a reawakening going over to Europe and realized all of that stuff he was peddling in locker rooms in Cleveland was nonsense and bad and damaging and, and awful. 
I don't know how you can possibly even begin to guess if that's actually happened. And so I think you just kind of go in assuming Sam Decker's the dude he's always been, in which case, not ideal. I, I just, it's a weird one PR wise. Like it's, you know, again, you, the way you kind of mentioned the Stanley Johnson thing, like after losing Kawhi, it does kind of feel like that almost like, really, you're going to kick us while we're down type of thing. Um, even if the actual sort of relevance and on-court impact is pretty negligible. It's uh, certainly not the best look. So let's pivot from there, Vivek, because we clearly don't have that many opinions on Sam Decker, the basketball player. Um, You know, look ahead to the rest of the offseason here. There's still obviously plenty to figure out with the Drogic thing and where he will end up. Will he end up on the Raptors? Who's to say? But with... What the sort of outlook here is, what are you kind of hoping for still? Obviously, there's a couple names left out there. There's John Collins. Uh, I mean, again, that seems unlikely, but also the longer he and the Hawks seem to be not close on a deal, maybe that makes that more plausible. I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe they're trying to work Drogic to Atlanta in some sort of sign and trade of some kind. I have no idea. There's plenty of different balls in the air right now, more than usual, I think, because of this sign and trade situation. Um, but what are your hopes and dreams here for the offseason? I have one hope and or dream that I'll get to in a sec that would certainly salvage the vibes, I think, but seems kind of unlikely considering the vibes of this player's previous stint with the team. But um, what's your sort of hopes and dreams? What's, what are you hoping to see from the Raptors here as free agency continues on into its second day? And by the time, again, this post this could be entirely out of date. <laughs> I mean, my dream would be John Collins at this point, but... Yep. You know, that's that's going to take a lot of uh, things to go right for the Raptors. And so at this point, I kind of just would be okay with a recovery, at least in terms of, you know, getting Malik Monk, maybe signing Kim yeah. Birch and bringing him back. I feel like that's maybe the more reasonable expectation to have at this point, which all in all, you know, might be just an okay mediocre to okay off season that you look back on but yeah that's kind of where i'm at the pipe dream is john collins uh but i'm, I'm not getting too excited about that at, at this point yeah i, I the malik monk thing is, is, is exciting because he can like score the basketball which is something they're gonna need and having like 48 minutes of gary trent and malik monk just heat checking would be kind of fun even if maybe damaging <laughs> um yeah, I would like to see them bring back, bring back Ken Birch. John Collins, of course, is still the dream. And I'm going to kind of keep that on the sort of the dream docket until it's not there anymore, because all the other teams with cap space have used it on like Doug McDermott and Evan Fournier and stuff. And so maybe there's a reason that the Raptors potentially are the last team holding out cap space or the hope of having cap space with the Strogish thing. Ultimately, like if it ends up being the Dragic sixth round, I'm totally fine with it. I think Dragic is, like I said, going to help them be good. He can help the bench. He can help sort of, you know, offer some tutelage to Malachi Flynn or whatever it is. And also, you know, there's been this kind of thing going around with Raptors fans. Obviously, Dragic had his dust ups with the Raptors during his time in Miami, and he's kind of, you know, persona non grata up here, but. He also really seems like the type of dude that the second he plays for you and does some of his Drogic shit to another team, you're instantly in love with him. Like he's the exact kind of like shit heel that Raptors fans tend to love. And so I am not so concerned about that. Like I think Drogic will fit in just fine and be a nice addition to help them be good if that's what they want to try to do. You know, if there's another path out there to some other sort of free agent ad, I'm telling you, man, you want to save the vibes. 
It's DeMar DeRozan, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, man, there's all the, oh, they need a center. They need rebounding. Blah, blah, blah. No, they need half court shot creation more than anything else. And guess what? DeMar DeRozan is extremely good at now. It's creating shots for himself and others in the half court. Um, he was really, really good the last couple of seasons with the Spurs. I would not be in the least upset if there were a reunion on tap. It seems unlikely considering the way the divorce happened and the DeMar and Masai relationship and all that. But I'm holding out hope because DeMar has yet to sign. And again, the Raptors are one of the only few teams left that kind of have hypothetical cap space to work with. So um, that would be fun. That's what I'm rooting for. But yeah, we'll, we'll obviously pick this up tomorrow. It's probably best that I end the podcast now and post this uh, with, with haste just so we can, you know, make sure we're not totally at a date, at a date or as soon as this goes up. But um, Vivek, before we wrap this up, anything you would like to promote? Yes, you can check out my work for raptors.com that will be coming uh, soon. Obviously, none of these deals are official yet, which is why they will not be on the Raptor site until they become official. Um, besides that, I'm continuing my Olympics coverage for CBC Sports, so you can check that out on all the digital platforms. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Outstanding, man. Uh, always lovely to chat with you. It was nice. Uh, I was I'm getting back from vacation. And I'm a little bit sad. I got the post vacation blues and chatting with you has uh, perked me up quite, quite nicely. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, everybody, thank you always for as always for listening. And uh, look, it, it seems dark right now. It's been darker. I can promise you that it's been far, far darker with far less of like a building block of a roster to work with at when said dark things were happening. Um, I still think it's worth giving some time here. If this is all that happens this off season, yeah, freak the hell out if you want, but I have a really good feeling that this is not, that's all, all that's going to happen this off season for your Toronto Raptors. And if I'm wrong, Hey, you can yell at me all you want. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow, probably breaking down some other news that's taken place. Uh, cause who the hell knows? It's kind of fast and furious right now. Um, so I won't tease the topic of tomorrow again, next week on the podcast, we're going to devote entirely to Kyle Lowry and it's going to be very cathartic and nice and eulogizing and sweet and sappy and all that good stuff. Um, but until then, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. <laughs> 